Welcome to this week's episode of the HC Hive, a podcast about all things HCI, UX, and grad school. We're Taylor and Austin, students in Georgia Tech's Human-Computer Interaction Program. This episode, we will be getting to know the HCI team and talking about emotional and creative burnout. So first, let's introduce ourselves by saying our name, year, track, and what we do on the podcast. Taylor, why don't you go first? Hi everyone, I'm Taylor. I've been on past episodes of the podcast with Now and Harshali, but now that they've graduated, I've taken on a little bit of that hosting responsibility they used to have. I'm now a second year and still on the psych track, and I'm also helping out a little bit with the writing team and just managing the overall podcast. So my name's Austin. I am a second year on the interactive computing track in the program. And I am also a co-host with Taylor. And yeah, we're just running this thing now, so. Super weird. (laughs) Super. But fun. All right, Tyler, you want to go next? Yeah, hey everyone. Uh, My name's Tyler. I'm a first year student in the psych track. And uh, currently, I am an editor on the podcast team. Hey everyone, I'm Sharon. I'm a first year and I'm on the IC track. And then at the podcast, I'm working with developing the ideas and helping out with everything. (laughs) You help out with everything. General stuff. (laughs) It's needed. Hi, um, I'm Stacy. I'm a first year and I'm in the um, industrial design track. And right now I'm helping out with the editing and a bit of the writing. Awesome. Thanks, you guys. This is far from everyone on the team. We have a lot more people on the team who put in some really great work, but these are the people who are able to join us to record today. Thanks you guys for taking time out of your day to chat with us. Today we'll be talking about creative burnout and our team will share a little about how it manifests in their lives. Before we get to that though, I wanted to share some interesting information on stress-induced burnout in the workplace today. In the APA's 2021 Work and Wellbeing Survey of 1,500 U.S. adult workers, Nearly three in five employees reported negative impacts of work-related stress. So, starting with the most common to the least common, these included physical fatigue at 44%, cognitive weariness at 36%, emotional exhaustion 32%, a lack of interest, motivation, or energy at 26%, and a lack of effort at work, which is 19%. So, these are some pretty telling numbers. This survey touches on multiple types of burnout, creative, emotional, and physical. And I think that each of those types will come up naturally in our conversation, but I want us to all start off with creative burnout. So to get started, let's each define what creative burnout means to us and how it's different from other kinds of burnout. For me, I would say creative burnout is pretty unique. I think it does have emotional elements to it and physical elements. You can feel quite tired. I think sometimes it's hard to draw that blurry line, but I think you can kind of tell you've hit creative burnout when you really can't make things the way you want to anymore. Kind of like writer's block for other things. So I guess in this program, it'd be designing or even creating research plans, like planning projects, even doing other work like on portfolios and stuff like that. I found myself getting really creatively burnt out while trying to put together my portfolio because as a researcher I wasn't prepared for the amount of aesthetic work I was going to have to do on that or that I felt compelled to do on that. So for me it's a lot like uh, a lot like writer's block and feeling like things aren't coming out the way you want them to. 
Austin, how about you? How would you describe it? Yeah, so for me, I feel like there's a distinction between the times when I'm just kind of thinking, conceptualizing, and brainstorming through ideas, and then when I'm actually applying those ideas in real time. And so when I hit creative burnout, it's in a time where I definitely feel like I hit a wall and the ideas that I have can't actually come to to fruition as best I would hope they would. And usually when that happens, I actually physically feel fatigued. And um, it's this thing of, say I'm doing something like designing a project on Figma, like just doing a slide. And I have all these ideas listed out, like, okay, slide one is the introduction, slide two is like the priorities for this, and then slide three is a description of those priorities. Say I get to slide three, and I've already like busted out the first two slides, and they look beautiful, and then I get to slide three, and I'm just like, I can't tell what color matches this other color, or I can't even form a sentence at this point anymore. <laughs> so I have to actually step away, and I, I do my best to step away every so often, but if I don't step away, say, after an hour of working, then I don't feel like I can really even operate in that zone of applying the, the ideas that I came up with anymore. So that's, that's a more discreet moment of creative burnout, but it can get so much bigger from like just maybe an hour of burnout to an entire month, but we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Do any of you guys on the podcast team, our new first years, you guys have a different experience of creative burnout or a different way you would define it? I do think that they're all interrelated, just emotional and physical burnout. When I think about creative burnout, I might recognize it when I'm looking for inspiration, but it doesn't actually inspire me. So like when I'm just scrolling through all these really beautiful images or like mock-ups or things that I want to take inspiration from, I'm kind of zoning out and I just don't want to do it. It's not inspiring me. I think that's when I recognize it's a creative burnout over any other kind of burnout, even though they like all manifest at the same time, probably. Yeah, I think when it comes to creative burnout, I'd say at a very broad level, just the inability to generate, whether that be ideas, thoughts, feelings, really anything along those lines. That's just kind of like this feeling of being stuck in some ways, because there's an intent to do things, and you can sit down and you can be ready, but the actual action of doing those things or feeling those things doesn't happen. And I feel like that's where it kind of is distinguished between other types of burnout where like, for example, if you're like burnt out in your job, or you're tired of doing those things and you just like, there isn't that motivation. Whereas I feel with creative burnout, there is that motivation to feel and act in a certain way, but you just can't physically do it. So I feel like that at like a broad level kind of covers creative burnout for me. And I think also a piece of it on a personal level is just a feeling of comparison or inadequacy. You feel like the ideas that you're creating aren't as good as other people's ideas or uh, other ideas you might see on the internet or in person. And there's kind of like a personal feeling of, yeah, I feel like I'm being creative, but it's just not as good as others around me. Yeah, Tyler, you hit on some really great points there. When I finished my first semester, so what you guys are gonna be doing pretty soon, 
I remember that winter I was like, okay, I'm going to put together my portfolio. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do it. And I'm really excited to get all this hard work that I did down, you know, on paper or I guess on a web page, right? And I literally couldn't bring myself to do it. I was so pumped to do it. I knew I had to do it. I wanted to do it. I couldn't bring myself to do it after you know, a very demanding semester that takes all of your brain power and all of the creative juice you got. And I think a lot of it is kind of fueled by those ideas of inadequacy as well as, you know, just being over overexerted during your time. Sharon, can you share a little bit about your experiences of creative burnout or your yeah. thoughts? Yeah, so for me, I notice when I have creative burnout or when I'm getting close to it is when it feels like I'm just going through the motions. I have something I need to do work-wise, school-wise, and I know it has to be done by a certain time. I might take my first idea that I come up with, but it's not always the best idea. So that's when you can kind of see you might have creative burnout or even just tiredness and exhaustion that might make you just not want to go through the ideation phase. The best part about creative inspiration is having all the, all these different ideas and bouncing them back off each other just to be able to like get the best one. But when you're in the burnout kind of stage, you just go with that first one and fall through with that. Yeah, I think in the context of the projects that we do in this program and just work in HCI and UX in general, it's it's all about problem solving in some way or another. and obviously with any problem you need to find solutions and in many cases they're creative solutions so you know throughout the course of the semester you're working on these projects you're having to for one ideate and brainstorm just ideas in general but then also think about different solutions to problems you face in the context of the work you're actually doing like you know if something unplanned happens you have to think and be creative to find solutions to that over time that can kind of grate on you right and you experience that creative burnout where like you'll sit down with your team and you'll all like be you'll be there you'll be ready to come up with ideas but you just can't come up with anything and it can be a really frustrating experience totally. for sure totally. i think um it's really difficult to go keep going when your tank is on e and especially if you're in a group where everyone's tank is on e because then there's like some momentum that's lost. If everyone can't really <laughs> keep pushing to generate their own ideas and come together to, to generate those ideas, it can be really difficult to follow through. I want to return to something you said, Stacy, about um, lacking inspiration. I feel like there are certain things that draw each of us when we're working on a project. And it can be difficult when you've kind of overexerted yourself, when you've worked to a point of fatigue that it's just telling you, your body's telling you, your mind's telling you, hey, I need time to rest. And I think that's a very essential part to recognize in this process of creation in general. So I'm curious as to what you all do when you get to that point. What are some tools and tips and like maybe some practices that you have for actually engaging yourself when you hit that moment where you feel you can't do anymore? I feel like for me, it's about goal setting, reminding myself like, why am I working on this? And why do I wanna create this creative idea? Because like looking back at why I'm working on it will help me 
be more motivated and find that inspiration to like be more creative, I think. What does that process of goal setting look like for you? I feel like for work, it's why am I working with the company I'm working with right now? What do I want to get out of my time with them? And that'll make me take a step back from what I'm working on and kind of just like reevaluate how I'm going about things because it's always good to take a step back, I think, when you're in a creative burnout and just being able to rest and like take care of yourself to be able to like move forward in a better way. Yeah, I think rest is so important and sometimes nothing else is going to get you over that that hard time and that burnout other than taking a step back and taking time for yourself and letting your mind rest. I think that can help a lot. Stacy, you look like you wanted to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say that creativity is just kind of really difficult to pinpoint, right? Because like if you get sleep, you have energy, you've like restored your energy, but I feel like at least for me, creativity is just kind of like it sometimes hits me like lightning, you know? Sometimes I feel really inspired. Mm-hmm. I think I don't have the luxury to do this during this semester because there's just like so many deadlines, but in like a work setting, I think I do just kind of turn the computer off and um, do other things. And surprisingly, for example, like if I like just go somewhere else and I, I'm just like physically not, like I'm not even thinking about work or anything related to work, the memories I make in like other situations, just like going out with friends or taking a stroll in the park, those things like kind of start inspiring me too. And I feel like, um, yeah, sometimes I just get ideas that are like transferable to like my current project. If I'm just, yeah, giving myself that break and I'm open mind to like absorb other things not related to work, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I really relate to that because when you were talking about inspiration earlier, I feel like in this program, we can get so into the weeds with technical work, yes. but that process of, of cultivating creativity for yourself is really, a, from an artistic perspective, a, a process of living so that you can bring something into the space with you. And I feel like that that process, but also the feelings that you carry with you into the space are what actually contribute to the the general sense of, of creativity when you're in conversation with people. So it, it can really make a difference to not only rest for the sake of, of resting, but rest for the sake of reflection, and then also to take a moment to yourself that you can have more to bring into the space next time you enter it. I like that a lot, Austin. Yeah, I think that to kind of go off of that, creativity, maybe in some ways, it's it's almost kind of like a, a muscle, you know, say you play a sport, you might train and do certain activities to ensure that when you're playing that sport, you can perform at a better level. And I feel like in some ways, creativity can be somewhat similar. Like if you're really trying to be creative in a certain aspect of your life, in a technical part of your life, if you can find different opportunities in your free time to kind of work that creative muscle, whether it be artistically or even something as simple as, right, having a conversation with friends, just something to keep your mind active, but active on something that isn't what is causing you to be creatively burnt out. 
And I feel like by doing that periodically over time, once you sit down and like really need to become creative in a technical context, say in the context of this program or work or whatever, you're maybe more better prepared to how you can generate ideas and generate different thoughts and feelings about it. Yeah, I really like that. And it really makes me think of the people that I've met who are practicing UX in different ways, you know, UX designers, UX researchers. I would say people in UX are, they have some of the most amazing hobbies. It's weird. All people in UX I've met are really cool, down-to-earth people who don't only prioritize work, but also their play. And they like to talk about their hobbies. A lot of them like to play games or like video games. Some of them like to do crafts. And, you know, during my internship, that was something I talked a lot with. One-on-one with members of my team, we would bond over that stuff. And it kind of struck me that out of all the other people I talked to in like different fields and stuff, I hadn't necessarily seen that kind of openness to talk about your hobbies and the little things that you do for fun that I had seen. Maybe it was something unique to my team. But I think UX is kind of where people go when they want to be creative, but they want to make money. <laughs> is that true? If, like, I feel like that's true, right? Like, I know, it is a hot take. Sorry, everybody. Episode one, I'm really dropping a hot one. But it's like, you know, we want to help people, right? We want to improve experiences, right? But... We also want to be able to exert our own creativity in our daily life. Like, that was something that really drew me to UX, even though I'm not a designer, was just the variety of the the products and, like, testing and methods that you get to engage in is super fun. I would hate to do the same exact thing every single day. And UX does allow for that kind of creativity. I wonder if it kind of speaks more to the whole field that people are being creative, not only in their job, but also in their their hobbies and their daily lives. I really like that idea of creativity as a muscle. Yeah, you said something essential in that. I took Dr. O's Designing for Curiosity class last spring. And in that class, we focus on craft and play Mm -hmm. as mechanisms for learning. And that class really opened up my mind to a point where I understood, oh, like, I have to take time outside of the framework that I'm learning to to break those rules that I'm learning to apply. And, and sometimes in the same context, sometimes in a context fully outside, like you were saying before, Tyler, like, it's essential to not only do the work and practice that muscle, but practicing that muscle sometimes just looks like letting yourself go free. So kind of going back to that, that idea of inspiration, that idea of feeling and drawing creativity from your, your person, I feel like it's also really so important that we learn to improvise our skills in some way. And that comes through play. So I'm really curious as to how play manifests for each of you in your own practice as designers, researchers. Because I feel like HCI is such an interdisciplinary feel like Taylor was Taylor was describing like people I feel like anytime I'm talking to someone in our program they're taking something from a hobby from a conversation with a friend from outside and then bringing it into the 
the professional space and understanding like, oh, this is how something I like applies to something that is helping me build what's meaningful to me. What a big question. I got to really think about that one. Hey, take a moment. I guess for me, in terms of like hobbies or interests, I'm really big into like fashion and clothing. And um, I feel like from a, you know, creative perspective, it helps me like really think through things like, oh, you know, like how different pieces of clothing or articles of clothing might go together to create like an outfit of sorts or what are certain designs that some designers or brands, you know, are doing that others are doing slightly differently, right? And just kind of that analysis of different, the ways in which different people are expressing themselves creatively. And then I think that on myself, right? Just the idea of kind of, in some ways, like having the freedom to dress and like just create different things that you're wearing in some ways as an outfit. And in terms of like the applicability, you know, there's there's different kind of experimentation and various things and sometimes you might try something or wear certain clothes that maybe don't seem to work out like in your head, but then all of a sudden you do it and it works out. And I feel like in terms of, you know, HCI and UX, like there's similar processes that go on. Like sometimes you don't know, there's all these different spaces, all these different ideas that you could go to, different kinds of solutions. And sometimes like through like brainstorming or ideation, you like put some random things together and who knows, you might have something that is really like a great idea that you can roll with. And so that's kind of in some ways how I keep my mind kind of active and thinking as a hobby and then how I can maybe kind of apply it to the work that I do like on a daily basis. That's super cool. Love the analogy. So like two weeks ago, we had an improv day for our PPP class. And they're kind of talking about how a lot of people have ideas in their head, but they don't say it or they have this small voice in their head that says, oh, that's not a good idea. So maybe in some cases we might think we're going through creative burnout, but we're just being overcritical of our ideas. Damn. That's, that's really, really true. I think it's so heavily linked to things like imposter syndrome. Right, which is something we've talked about on this podcast before. Yeah, I also think that's as a part of going through that that action, that practice of creating. If you're constantly thinking about something, if there's constantly a voice in the back of your head saying mm, maybe not, that is, that's also drawing your energy. Yep. So the quicker you can get past that, the the more you can exert energy on the things that matter to you in that moment. But yeah, that's that's a tough one. That's a tough emotion to deal with, and, and sometimes it does take that practice and play so that you can let go of the boundaries, which takes a lot of unlearning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It does take unlearning. For me as a researcher, you know, I don't know if I can relate a lot of the ways that I play with, like, making a data <laughs> collection plan. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But I would actually say that even just, like, low stakes communication listening to other podcasts and stuff a lot of what we do as researchers is talking with the users right and something that i've learned throughout my life is like how to improve on communication communicating is not just a given 
some people have a knack for it, but you really do have to develop it as a skill. So sometimes just listening to podcasts that do interviews with people or having low-stake conversations with people who are experts in things that I don't know about but that I want to know about (laughs) and I want to find out more about, that helps me kind of play around with the way that I communicate and how do people respond and what is engaging, like what gets people inspired and excited to answer my question. I think even simple things like that can help you flex your creative muscles a little bit day by day. For me, I think I'm like, I listen to like a lot of music and I think that kind of maybe is transferable when I'm like sketching out like for example like storytelling and thinking out things in frames and themes like kind of thinking of it like an arc and the storyline I think that does come into play when I'm thinking about it you should talk more with Austin yeah Austin loves music (laughs) (laughs) ever heard of (laughs) ADOT my favorite artist (laughs) shameless plugs I got you. (laughs) Um, No, it's really cool that you mentioned that because I think it was about a month ago I was talking to a friend who's a really incredible producer and he was telling me before he produces a track, what he'll do is he'll draw a line on a piece of paper and have like arcs. It'll go up, it'll go down, it'll like kind of wave here. But that is the progression of the journey for that track. And I found that to be such a, a mind-blowing idea for me because I, I don't go through producing music in the same way. But it, like you were saying, it, it's storytelling in a different yeah. way, in a different medium, a different format. That's wild that he said that because like when I listen to music sometimes, I like visualize it in like that. Does it get bigger and smaller? And I kind of think of it in waveforms. So yeah. that's really cool. <laughs> so yeah, no, I think that's really beautiful because like, Everyone here just broke down the details of like what their hobby is, what their interest is, and then applied it back to HCI in a really cool way. Um, it, I don't, for me, that speaks to a certain magic that comes in HCI where they're the seeds for creative, you know. <laughs> That's really what it's for. <laughs> but it's human creative interaction. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's it's just it's really magical to me that we can make such broad strokes with the ideas that we have and then bring them back from like the gestalt into that moment. Like you were saying, Taylor, just hopping between conversations and, yeah. and practicing that skill and then learning how to ask questions and learning how to listen. I feel like that that's something that's really cool and also takes time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I do feel like on every episode of this podcast, we are going to realize again and again how cool HCI is <laughs> and how much we like it and how weird and nice it is. All right. Well, how about to wrap up? I'd love to hear what you guys do to even prevent creative burnout from happening. Because, I mean, we've been talking a lot about, you know, maybe the reactions to it. How do we... When we realize it's happening, how do we stop it in its tracks? How do we get over, get out of a rut? But what can we do to prevent creative burnout in the first place? Does anyone have any tips or tricks? 
Austin. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. I'll say that um, this is something I came back around to recently because I, I, I was in a moment of creative burnout probably a month or so ago. And what I had to do was find a way to come back to myself. And like we've mentioned before, that is sometimes emotionally as well as creatively. And so for me, some of the first steps I always come back to because I've realized this over the course of my life is that a few things that help me out include writing. So in the morning, I'll just wake up sometimes as clear as my head can be and just start writing anything, just not stopping. <laughs> and what that leads to is, is just me kind of getting any thoughts and emotions out that I maybe was sleeping on or like kind of thinking through the day before. And then on top of that, I tend to just sit for at least five, 10 minutes. And after writing, let that space clear in my head. And then I can like hop into the day. And then lately I've been finding that, I don't, I don't know if this applies to everyone, but if you have something like this, definitely engage it in the morning. If anything gives you that restful activity that can help you recharge, then engage it. So for me, that's playing piano. So I'll wake up and I'll just, at least have five minutes where I just hit the keys. And it could be learning a new song or it can just be following my own ear. And that, that helps me prevent, prevent the burnout when it actually comes to those moments where I have to like lock in and generate new ideas. Yeah. Austin, you're so freaking cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I stand by that. You look like you got something to say, Stacey. <laughs> no, I was just like so intrigued that you do this in the morning because like I caught myself during like quarantine, like I would wake up and like immediately it's like 8 a.m. and I would like mix music or like play the ukulele and mm -hmm. I don't know why it feels so good doing it in the morning, mm -hmm. but like my neighbors probably hated it, you know? <laughs> but, like, <laughs> no, yeah, you're serenading them. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just like so cool to hear that like you did that, you know? For me, I think I try to like prevent it from happening by like kind of time boxing my work. So like, I mean, I don't, this is like all in like an ideal situation. Like if I didn't have like such like so many like deadlines like during school, but like I would just assign like three hours of creative work time and then just like force myself to stop because I know I'll burn out. So like I'll just like leave some, like if, even if I had more to work on and like I want to work on it, I'll kind of like the reins a little so that I'd be even more excited to work on it the next day at work at least. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's really good because I feel like it can be so easy to fall deep into the work oh, yeah. and at some point at some point it's really diminishing returns. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. I think to kind of go along with that just the idea of adding structure to your schedule I mean, there's a balance, right? You don't want to overload yourself to where then that can all of a sudden cause creative burnout and emotional burnout. But adding some kind of structure, I think, is a really good thing. Um, I know that in undergrad, I played sports in college. And, you know, we'd have morning workouts a few times a week. We'd have two to three hours of practice every single day. And at the time, I maybe didn't like it at certain times. You know, I was like, oh, man, I have all this schoolwork, have all these things to do. Why do I need to go to practice and do all these things? And it wasn't until I came here that I realized like kind of the 
the purpose that it kind of served from like a mental level because that time at practice at workouts I wasn't thinking about any of the schoolwork or anything that I needed to do like I was solely focused on that and so when it came time for me to actually do my schoolwork and do those things my mind was fresh to a certain degree and when I came here I didn't have that and so like the first month and a half of school I didn't have that structure that I once had and it was really challenging because you could work all day every day if you really wanted to like there's always work that can be done and unless you really have structure to where you're forcing yourself to not do that work and like let your mind escape to a totally different place then you're gonna fall into this trap of like burnout right so I feel like having that structure having that space and time where you're thinking about something totally different if you do that you can I think for the most part avoid any like major burnout experiences yeah in terms of scheduling in time to take to yourself I definitely definitely started doing that in this past year actually scheduling like hangouts in my Google Calendar where all my work is and that really helps me because it's designated time for me to step away from the laptop and just take a break and like stop thinking about that for a second and then get re-inspired by maybe having a conversation with someone and going back into work and feeling refreshed like you said. I love that you guys. For me I think the biggest way I prevent it is battling my own perfectionism. I think perfectionism can be the the death of creativity. (laughs) You know, you get in there and you're trying so hard, using up all your time and effort to get it to 110%. Maybe it doesn't need to be 110%. Maybe you can put in a little less and just say, good enough. That was something that was very hard for me to realize. I think all as grad students, we're all high achievers, right? Like, <laughs> it can be quite hard to unclench sometimes and be like, okay, I'm going to let this one go. You know, I'm going to save my strength for the next thing that I know is coming up. But I think it's a really good skill to say, I'm going to take the L. <laughs> this, one, this one L. Or, you know, I think I did pretty good. It's not exactly as I'd want it, but hey. I know that I have this thing and this thing and this thing that I have to do. Let's not uh, run out of fuel before we're even halfway through the race. So sometimes just slowing down and saving it for later can help a lot too. I also have one more thing to add. Yeah, go ahead. In terms of preventing creative burnout, I feel like for me, creativity is so closely tied with like emotions. And when I'm feeling super happy, I just feel super excited to do whatever I'm going to do, no matter like what it is. And so I wake up pretty early to do some work because I feel like my productivity is like best during that time. But waking up is like a little hard, honestly. But I learned that if I turn on some really good music that gets me really happy, I'm ready to like dance it out in the morning and then like get to work on my laptop. I feel like just starting out with like, something that makes me really happy and just excited to take on the day like a lot of the music lyrics i really tie into emotions i feel like so true it's really important to take care of your emotional health and your mental health on top of everything in the end if you're exhausting your emotions and your brain power it's gonna be it's gonna be hard getting over your creative burnout which is why it's we should all take care of ourselves right (laughs) easier said than done but hey (laughs) 
you guys are almost done with your first semester, so it will soon be way easier to do. Mm-hmm. Promise. <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap up here. Thank you so much, Stacy, Sharon, and Tyler, for joining us today. We're really, really glad to have you on the team. You guys have been doing some awesome work, and we really appreciate sharing your stories and your perspectives with us. It's been really informative, and we're glad that you could be vulnerable with us, your hosts and friends. Awesome. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. It's really fun. And to all of our listeners out there, tune in next time for our episode about the Great Resignation with some really cool guests who have first-hand experience. Until then, if you know, you know. And if you don't, no worries. We don't either. Maybe listen to a previous episode if you didn't get that joke. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, everybody.